Travel Agents Talk podcast. I'm your host, Olena Patsabi, and today we are going to talk about travel awareness psychology with Terry Suero. Terry is passionate about working with people and helping them in fulfilling their needs and dreams in travel. Let's get started traveling with purpose. Uh, hello, Terry. Uh, can you please introduce yourself? Yes. Hi, Elena. Uh, first of all, thank you for giving me the opportunity. Um, my name is Terry Suero. I'm based in uh, New York State in, in uh, the U.S. Uh, we are coming from a unique side. We are a travel agency that uh, started uh, with the whole concept of uh, travel awareness psychology, which is the integration of psychology into uh, travel itinerary designs. Uh, in its essence, it would be uh, kind of what we talk about, like a, a pure experience, uh, that association, but only with uh, measures and, and uh, science behind it to prove why things work. And so that's, that's basically what we're known for. That's the essence of who we are. Uh, where does uh, travel awareness psychology comes from? Well, TAP, uh, we call it TAP, travel awareness psychology. In short, as I said before, it's actually the integration of travel psychology into the designing of experiential travel itineraries. Um, before I tell you where it's from, well, I'll tell you it's from, it, it originated from uh, studies of Alzheimer's in uh, nursing homes, believe it or not. Uh, and uh, a lot of the things that, that were being developed for that brain that's going through some changes, we realized that could also be adapted uh, perfectly, actually, for the traveling mind. Uh, our brains change a lot during travel. Uh, an example of that would be, uh, I'm sure you've, you've experienced this, um, when you're traveling, suddenly you notice that little flower that's on the sidewalk. That back at home, you're walking back and forth, you never see it. Uh, so, so our senses become more heightened. Why is that? I mean, is it because we're travelers? Is it not? Uh, and the study really actually shows that it's nothing to do with travel. It's a survival instinct. When your brain notices it somewhere else that it does not recognize, it will start scanning automatically, can't control it, for survival, roof, uh, food, uh, and that's what kicks in. Uh, and that's another scanning, you notice those details you wouldn't notice yeah, usually. Uh, and then I guess that's travel psychology. I would also say that you, you travel a lot. Have you traveled a lot in, in general? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, not right now, but uh, before COVID situation. Yeah, yeah. I used to travel. I'm a sure lot. you've had the situation in which you take two similar trips, but mm -hmm. one for some reason is a lot better than the other one, but they're very similar. And uh, that's what travel psychology is, travel order psychology. It's the right order. The one that was a lot better, even though it was similar, we might have stumbled in the right, correct order of experiences. Experiences can be synergetic. It's, the order is, is probably more critical than even the destination you go to. Um, All and, right. Uh, yeah, uh, and let me tell you why, why this is, this is again, sorry if I get too passionate about this, but uh, it's exciting. It, it all goes back to the anatomy of the brain. Uh, uh, we have, if, if you look at the, the history of uh, the anatomy of the brain, we have three main sections. The reptilian brain, mm -hmm. the limbic brain, and the neocortex brain. The reptilian is the first one, it's the original one, it's the tiniest one, it closes one to the uh, cervix. Uh, and it, it, it's the one that uh, we can't control, the one we control the least. It, it uh, is the body functions, heart rate, breathing, body temperature, balance. It's quick, reliable, but rigid and compulsive. Uh, the limbic brain was first seen in mammals, 
And that's what records memories of behaviors that happen and put, uh, puts a value on them. Was it agreeable, something I liked, something I didn't? So it's just creating that recognition of things we like or not. Um, it's also responsible for the emotions. You like something, it's a positive emotion. It's also where our value judgment sits. It's uh, where we make value judgments uh, of what we think is right or wrong. And then finally, the neocortex is what's seen in primates. Uh, and then later on evolved to the human brain, which is the two big areas around it. And that is uh, in charge of abstract thinking, language development, imagination, consciousness. Uh, so that's really the part of the brain that we start looking at, but how does it physically, metaphysically affect doing travel? I'm curious, I have never thought of it. And how does it really re relate to travel itinerary design? If you start looking at the, the human behavior in general, uh, sadly as it is, we're not as free thinkers as we think we are. Most of the decisions are made uh, by the reptilian brain. It's the fastest of all of them. Uh, it's seven times faster than the, than the limbic and uh, more than 20 times faster than the neocortex. And those are the reactions. And when you start looking at it, you start looking at uh, design. Uh, we focus a lot on the reptilian brain. And probably because that's where it, it's, that's what's reacted the fastest uh, and that's the one we can least control. So even if you're trying not to react that way, it's impossible. It's interesting reactions. Somebody walks behind you, you, you do this, it's, it's very hard to control. Uh, the reptilian brain is also very selfish. As I said, we can't control it. And it thinks about me. It's only about me. Nobody else but me. Uh, <laughs> so, and what does it react to? It reacts to safety or threats of safety reacts to sex, reacts to change, and food, survival. Um, and those are the things that can really be worked with uh, if you add on the sensitivity of extra sensory perception when you're traveling. An example of that, of how it can be applied, uh, the hoteliers world, for example, when you go to a hotel and you are welcomed with a fruit basket in your room, well, that's actually triggering is reptilian brain Food, safety. The moment you see it, even, even if you're not hungry, it makes you feel good that there's a fruit basket. A lot more so than the, than the, than the, the flowers. And, and it's understanding what are the triggers for the brain that, what, that makes them at ease. The brain, when it's traveling, it's excited, it's nervous, and it's looking for these safety things. So again, that fruit basket from a bank for your bucket, you're a hotelier, gets a lot more than uh, the nice little gift or the pad or the flowers. Uh, so that's a little bit how, how that is. So it covers not just travel design, but really the whole hospitality industry. You describe it in a really interesting way. I have never thought of uh, a brain patterns in, uh, in this manner. So travel, uh, travel psychology is not only for designing itineraries, but also for other segments of travel industry. And uh, how can it be used in uh, itinerary design and why? Sure. Uh, the key thing in itinerary design, again, going back to if we're only catering or focusing on that reptilian brain, is change. Change is a trigger. The reptilian brain cannot stop reacting to change. Hot, warm, uh, cold, it immediately ranks it. So it's not the, trans the slow transition, it's just quick transitions. Uh, and we can see even nowadays, uh, if, if, where you are right now, are you hot or cold right now? Are you warm? Is it cold where you are? How do you feel? 
I feel okay. <laughs> well, the, the point is that after a while of being in an environment, you get used to it. Mm -hmm. The moment you walk into that room, your brain said, okay, it's hot, hot cold, it immediately reacts and then it eases. Oh. So that's what we prefer to change. Um, so an itinerary, it's all about change. Uh, an example of that, let me, let me uh, go further so I can relate to it more. If you, let's say you're going to uh, Costa Rica mm -hmm. and we have a nice trip and doing a beach destination, another beach destination, and then up to the jungle. That's the wrong design. We always want to do change. So instead of doing beach, beach, jungle, ideally you do beach, jungle, beach, or beach, jungle, mountain. Uh, it doesn't matter, just change. Uh, and the reason behind that is that if you do beach, beach, jungle, the brain will combine both beaches into one, and one's going to be better than the other, automatically. So you're automatically, by design, making one of the destinations not as attractive as the others. Uh, and the trip, by the way, being shorter because these experiences in your brain will combine them into one. If you divide them, beach, jungle, beach, the brain cannot compare them all. The three could be very special and your trip seems longer. Now that's kind of the basics of experiential design. Uh, so experiential design travel already has a lot of psychology in it, uh, but it goes, it goes a lot deeper than that. Um, that's basically the essence is managing change. Uh, and you change and being friends with our tooling brain. So if we cut the long story short, it's basically about that our brain always aspires to bigger happiness and bigger pleasure. Is it? It depends on what you want to design it for. Uh, it, it's, it's really designing around the functions of the brain. Mm -hmm. Now you have, yeah, most trips you want to be happy, but some of them could be bonding. I want to bond with my family or I want to bound, uh, bond with my spouse because we've been separate uh, or I just lost my daughter and I need to grieve. So all that is a part of the design. So it's not always happiness. It's also maybe it's grief and let the person break out and cry out and get nature. And that's where all the things come in place is understanding what ingredients you can use and not just what, but when and how. Uh, that's the key thing of it. Um, what's happening nowadays is that because of the internet, the role of a travel agent or a travel designer has radically changed, as we all know. Uh, mm -hmm. The things that we could, that they needed us before, airline tickets, everything, now they could do it easier, quicker, going online, choosing their own seats. Uh, but when it comes to our role, that's become more of a, almost a booking agent. Uh, and some of us were lucky enough to have the clients to trust them, even designing. Um, but the internet created an interesting uh, thing that changed travel, how it's done, uh, and not for the better. Nowadays, we all look at the internet for information. We look at recommendations from our friends, uh, Instagram, and the pictures that tell us what, you know, what's going on, or God forbid, reviews, which interesting enough, we, listen, we believe uh, on strangers' reviews. Uh, that we have no idea who they are, but we, we actually value that a lot. Um, so what's happened, it's, it's turned into more inventory management. Uh, you start designing an itinerary based on, okay, uh, Anna told me this, I saw this hotel. So you see what things you want to see in the area. And that also, by the way, many times falls into the fallacy, the more we see, the better, uh, which is not true. Uh, but also, most importantly, then now you know where you want to go, you start looking, okay, if I go with here, it's a lower season, so it's cheaper. If I begin my trip here, uh, or also start looking at availabilities, or, and it's probably the, the three of them, you start looking, okay, what makes logistical sense? I don't want to go from here to here to here. Um, well, that's crazy. 
it's basic. It's you treating experiences as inventory, as, which is not. Uh, and the order again is the most important part. Um, it's, it's to give you an idea what that is. It's, it's like going to a restaurant and ordering three desserts, two soups, then a main course, then another soup, and then a salad. It makes yeah. no sense. <laughs> But that's what we're doing, because, you know, three desserts, because the more we see, the better. <laughs> uh, and the reality is that meal will not flow. It's not going to be an enjoyable meal. Uh, as opposed to, let's say, you go to the Michelin star rated chef, everything is meant in the right order, but not just for order's sake. The flavors should be complementary. Uh, so the, the, the soup opens your palate for the next meal and, and whatnot. Uh, and that's what uh, what travel psychology is. is is taking it from like the experiential design, which is the right order. Start with your uh, soup, salad, meal, dessert, all that order, uh, or then you get to the next level of really implementing psychology into it. And, and that's where you start seeing the synergies of why do you do this before the other, uh, and sometimes they're, they're, they're complementary, and sometimes even supplementary. The two experiences put together in the right order can give you a third experience that's even stronger. So let me ask you something personal, uh, Elena. Are you married? Uh, no, I'm not married, but I have a fiancé. A significant other? Uh, sorry? Do you have a significant other? Yeah. Let's assume this. Let's try to imagine this. You got in a huge fight because mm -hmm. he did not or she did not pick up the, the garbage as she was supposed to. <laughs> uh, you're very mad. But now imagine, trans transport yourself. Now you're in Costa Rica, in the middle of a jungle, facing the ocean. Uh, again, you're very mad with the person next to you, but you open your eyes and there's a toucan in your window. <laughs> What's gonna happen? And, and, and you're, you're gonna forget about the fight and you'd be like, <laughs> and it puts you into an interesting situation of, of limbo. You're afraid enough not to go to the bird, but you're not afraid of to run out of the room either. So when you're in this limbic stage, you literally are, your boundaries are being brought down because you're in awe with nature. Now, if you combine that experience with that immediately after with, a, with a, some adrenaline, a zip line, you mm -hmm. bond because the fear kicks in. So that's where you start seeing the, the order. Uh, that's where you see the synergies. Uh, and it can be used for, as I said, multiple different kinds of experiences. Uh, and it's measurable and uh, it, it works as simple as that. But that's kind of how the, order is complementary or supplementary in a way. Do you give us some other examples of this phenomena? Sure. Let me, uh, let me think. Uh, let's, let's talk about this is an interesting case we had. And since you're from Eastern Europe, it fits perfectly. You'll understand. We had a travel agency from uh, Prague call us mm -hmm. uh, for a trip. And as you know, Eastern cultures tend to be very open. Uh, something we're not used to much on the Western coast, uh, in the Western, uh, in the U.S. basically, and, and I think Western Europe. Mm -hmm. uh, so this client was very specific about what he wanted. There's a uh, wealthy couple in their mid to late 40s, and he wanted to be in a coffee plantation. He wanted to uh, visit a rainforest or jungle. Mm -hmm. And number three, he wanted to have sex with his wife, who he had not had sex with in 11 months. Mm -hmm. oh. <laughs> so we knew the details. Usually what we hear is like, I want to be you know, closer to my partner or we're working a lot, but he was very specific. 
Mm-hmm. So at that point, I was handling that trip, uh, and I, I told the travel agent, okay, well, great, we'll tell them we'll guarantee it. And we heard silence on the phone. She's like, no, no sir, we set sex with his wife, thinking we're getting him a prostitute or something. We're like, no, no, of course, with his wife. With his wife. He's like, she's like, you can't guarantee that. That's impossible to guarantee. We're like, no, we do. <laughs> and she's like, but you, you can't. Uh, and to that point, we said, okay, we'll make it a, a deal. If he does not have sex with his wife, does not get intimate with his wife in this trip, we won't lose money, but any profit we'd have made, we're gonna give it back to you, the travel agency, under the one condition that you don't cash the money, you find a way to give it to your client as a gift. We don't care how you do it, but because the client chose a wrong uh, travel uh, professional and the travel designer chose the wrong operator. Um, mm-hmm. Until then, it's kind of funny. Um, we got a call, it was five days into a trip. From the travel agent in Prague telling us, I don't know how you guys do it. He's had sex, he has had sex with her three times already. Which I thought, I'm like, oh my, he's telling the travel agent to call you? Um, <laughs> I'll tell you what we did there, that, 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 that example. And you see how it's kind of, it's working with the brain to make it react the way you want. Uh, in this case, we brought him to Belize. And uh, in Belize, uh, we had, one of the functions where this really began the romantic part is we had him going through a, a horse trail. They're going to be horseback riding inside the rainforest. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, as they're, the tricky part of this is we were making them do it bareback, so no saddle. Uh-huh. But they're not galloping, so it's going slow. And as they're there, our guy, because it's private, the two of them are guys telling them about, no, do this, do that, uh, starts telling them a little bit about the dangers. Don't grab branches because a branch could be a snake that looks like a branch. And all this stuff. So again, fear is also a tool we use a lot. It's mm-hmm. great. It's more alive. And right before they go into trail, he gives them machetes and puts them next to them on the horse just in case they need it. Mm-hmm. And they start. The machete, they're getting a weapon. The brain goes, oh, what am I doing? What is this? Why do I need machete? But by the time they can react, it's too late. They're already inside. So what does fear do? Your fear makes you alert of everything. That's why when you're, you're, you're scared, somebody touches you, you're like, same thing. Your body's super alert. Now you're putting a, a human, especially a female, on top of a horse. All the muscles are triggering all the muscles. The muscles are integrating. So you have this big muscular animal below you and it integrates uh, with the body. So it's actually stimulating a lot of the parts uh, physically. And now mm-hmm. consciously or subconsciously, it's physically. Um, after that trail ends, they end up in the middle of a Mayan ruin and the pyramids where we're able to put a luxury tent. Mm-hmm. Like the African style with the lanterns and everything. It's almost impossible to say no. It's, it, your body wants it because of the horseback ride of the fear. It's so romantic. Uh, you really have to hate the person you're with not to do it. Because it's almost a checklist. Like, oh, people do it here. And, and once it starts, it continues the rest of the trip. Uh, just, it's has to, so those are kind of things. Uh, I mean, I can get myriads of examples of that, but it can be applied to that. Uh, how much more time do we have? I don't know how long you want your podcast to be. Um, I think uh, I think we have five more minutes, if you don't okay. mind. Let me give you another one. Let's see. Uh, this is a, a really interesting one from uh, that we discovered in Peru. Mm-hmm. We uh, here in the U.S. We had uh, some customers who were telling us that I oh, know my trip. My young, my son is too young for this trip. And of course, all of us in the office. Are, Wow, there's no age for travel. Wow. But we kept on hearing this 
multiple times. So it wasn't just one family, which we would say, okay, the family doesn't want to travel or whatnot. This was a lot. Uh, and it bothered us. We're like, why is this? So we did a study on it. Mm-hmm. And they were right. There's a segment of the population uh, here in, in the U.S. and Canada, and actually in England too. Uh, those are three that we did the studies in. And that children of t- tweens, so eight-year-olds, seven-year-olds to 13, around there, if they're taken to a, a, a strong cultural trip, like let's say they're from the U.S. to go to Peru or, or Africa, mm-hmm. they will misbehave. They start acting out. And, mm-hmm. and, 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 and as a parent, it was real. So we're saying, why? And it actually had nothing to do with travel. It had to do with poverty. People who have not been exposed to poverty, when poverty for them means the homeless person or mm-hmm. the drug person in the street, there's no connection in their life. It's not that you're not sympathetic. There's just no connection. You don't understand it. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, now you you move, and it's also people. So it's people who haven't who, who haven't been exposed to poverty, who tend to be wealthy, the privileged class, uh, and those two combinations create an interesting factor. The suddenly you're again, imagine you're from Oklahoma and you're traveling to Peru. Um, suddenly, for the first time in your life, you're a minority which is a very strange feeling. Mm-hmm. The second thing that happens, uh, and sadly adults are better equipped to handle this, we are surrounded by all these children that are poor, but they're smiling. And, and it's, uh, again, not what we expect. As adults, because again, we're very efficient, we put up the wall. I see it, I notice it, but I'm not ready to change my life right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, children, tweens, do not have the ability to put up walls. They don't know how to do it yet. They're sponges, they're absorbing everything. So suddenly you have this child who has been told by his parents and by everybody else, study hard, get good grades, get to good university, get a good job, make lots of money, you'll be happy. Mm-hmm. And they're saying that's not true. They're seeing it. They're saying this is the <laughs> These children smile more than I do. These children are smiling more than my friends. So what that happens with a child is that they don't even realize this, but they're, they're mad because their, their, their core values are being challenged, but they're mad at mom and dad. They feel lied to. Mm-hmm. And their brain's already overwhelmed with all the new stimuli, but deep inside is something even harder that's bothering them. And that's when they lash out. Uh, now we solve their person, because the idea is identifying the, the, the issues or opportunities, but then also solving them. In our case, what we did was we started a, a virtual teaching or actually in person, depending on where they are. But we sent uh, somebody to teach them virtual, uh, uh, teach them uh, conversational Spanish. Mm-hmm. So, they get a little, so they can talk a little bit when they go there in the science. Well, it's a total decoy. Mm-hmm. What we are actually doing is sending uh, somebody to teach them Spanish. But what we're doing is bur- burning neural pathways in the brain. We're, we're planting memories. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the example of this is, okay, you're going to Peru, you're going to the desert. You ask the children, this is more for the children. How's the desert? What, what, what do you think? In the desert, kids are very smart. Oh, there's sand, it's hot, it never rains. And the teacher will say, yeah, you're right. It never rains so much that if you look, some houses don't have roofs. Just by saying that, the child is more likely to notice there's no roofs because as been said before, you literally are burning a, a, an electric pathway in the brain. It's putting a memory into it. Um, so when it comes to poverty, the way we solved it was, okay, kids, uh, you're up in the mountains, in the Andes. No electricity, no iPhone, no game station. No, no. What do you do to have fun? So children, very intuitively, uh, is there a river? Yes, I go swimming, uh, mountain hiking, 
those who know a little bit more, I'll play with my llama. <laughs> so then suddenly when they're there, surrounded by smiles, mm -hmm. their body goes, well, why are they smiling and intuitively? And they see the llama. So instead of going <laughs> to shock, they think, okay, the llama, that's why they're smiling. Obviously it's not because of the llama, but because you talked about it, you gave the brain a way out. Instead of going to shock, going this way. Mm -hmm. And then as the trip goes along, more and more that happens. And then obviously you start internalizing that maybe it isn't the llama. Maybe it isn't the, the, the dog. Uh, maybe it isn't the, the mountain air. It's everything else. So it's a way to manage that. So again, here what you're seeing is how we manage the brain it, for the better. It's avoid the shock and uh, make it a slower experience so they can internalize it better. Mm. Uh, that, I mean, from all kinds of areas, we can take that to, uh, again, grief, uh, counseling, family bonding. Uh, another thing that we learned, uh, which is counterintuitive, family trips. Mm -hmm. which a lot of us do it in the travel industry. Uh, this is a harder to sell to a first-time customer. But once you get in trust, uh, it's easier and it works. If you're planning a family trip, split the family in half in the beginning of the trip or near the beginning of the trip for at least one night. Why so? <laughs> Everybody says, no, no, it's a family trip. We all have to be together. Why so? Uh, do you have any uh, siblings, any sisters or brothers? Yeah, two sisters. Yeah. You can probably relate to this when you're younger. When we're children, we're competing for mom and dad's attention. Mm -hmm. So our sisters and brothers are really our competitors because I want the attention. Again, part of the, part of the, <laughs> the reptilian brain kicks in. It's like me. Mm -hmm. uh, and always competing. And as competitors, we don't share emotions mm -hmm. within each other, especially when you're young. When you're older, you, you pass that stage. When you're young, you don't share because it's my weakness. Mm -hmm. I'm scared. And I don't want to tell my competitor about my weakness. We will share more with our peers, our friends in school, than we do sometimes with our own brother or sister about mm -hmm. what, what our weaknesses are. So what happens on the trip? When you start a trip, again, if you're doing nature, let's, let's go back to Belize where uh, the romance happened with the, the Czech couple. Now let's make it a family trip. Uh, if you split the family in half, two things happen immediately. Suddenly, let's say you and I are married. We have, children know that we're too powerful when we're together. Because we'll just look at each other saying, yeah, we'll decide. And they know that they, they can't convince when both of us are, are saying no. <laughs> but they, they, you divide us, suddenly mom is not that powerful anymore. She lost some power. Mm -hmm. and so did that. Uh, and now you throw in the children that get divided and you throw adventure. So now I'm gonna make you my daughter. We're traveling and it's adventure and Elena, I need you. This is serious. We need to work together on this because we're in the jungle, we're doing this. And suddenly the child acts older uh, and there's a bond because now it's a, the trip group, it's us two. Uh, and that's a logical thing. There's a special bond that happens as we know in travel. But interesting enough, when you come back to the family group, what happens? Children go back into competition. They start saying, what did you do? Why did this? Oh, it was scary. And, and I saw this. Oh my God, it was so nuts. And blah, 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 blah. And what you're talking about is emotions. If you look at that's what travel is. It brings emotions, uh, mm -hmm. either things we had before or what we're seeing there. And uh, because we're talking about emotions, the emotional link is created and it continues the rest of the trip. Uh, it makes it a way stronger family bonding trip just because they're, they're, accustomed for that moment to talk about feelings. Uh, so again, I can talk about myriad of these things, but that, that's the essence of animal psychology, is integrating it with, uh, you know, is designing. 
Mm -hmm. I think it's probably what lacks the most in our industry is we need to go back to designing experiences. If we want to be bookers and just booking things, we're not really travel, travel designers or professionals. Uh, we're bookers, which, which is fine. Uh, and there's still a value for that. But those who really want to do more of change for the customers and for the world really is trying to design itineraries that, that are therapeutic. I mean, we can literally change people's perceptions of the world uh, with itineraries we design. Uh, and that's what's so powerful about our industry, it's, uh, especially nowadays where the world needs us. I mean, I think the world needs us more now than ever. Uh, we need to go back to bringing the borders down, understanding humanity and taking care of our world. And, and I think I, thought, I preached to the choir, we all realize that. But that's, that's what I think the powerfulness the, of travel and specifically at this time of, of the world. Yeah. Thank you so much, Terry, for your broader perspective on the, on the itinerary planning. And uh, could, you, could I ask you one more question, please? Please. Uh, where did you learn all the tricks? Uh, it began with Alzheimer's studies. I, mm -hmm. I myself am an engineer of our background. Um, and I was involved a lot with the long-term care, so working with Alzheimer's patients. Uh, my grandmother actually passed away from Alzheimer's. Um, and at the time, nobody really understood Alzheimer's. So, mm -hmm. and she was a traveler. She was this crazy traveler, traveled everywhere. She lived in South America, but she was traveling to Europe. And again, back in the days where you traveled by boat. Uh, but she was a crazy one, I really thought. <laughs> uh, and the craziness came from Alzheimer's. So I was innately attracted to that uh, when I started learning more. Uh, but interesting enough, as we were working on that, uh, we started seeing that these therapies that we get developed for the crazies, mm -hmm. we all are crazies. All of us are. <laughs> And, and the situation where their brain is when they're going through a disease like Alzheimer's is very similar to what happens to our brain when we're traveling. Mm -hmm. In their case, the brain is shrinking, so it's overstimulated just because it's shrinking, can't handle all the, new, all the regular stimuli. When we're traveling, our, shrimp, our brain is not shrinking, but we have tons of stimuli coming in. So the brain is reacting very similarly. And we started seeing that with Alzheimer's, we could do things to make them happy, to change their life from being scared to to happiness uh, and that same uh, knowledge was transferred to travel and we started testing that. Uh, an idea was also to take the whole experiential travel, the pure experience uh, mentality into a measurable way. Okay, okay, we know we can change things, how do we do it? Uh, and that's how does it work? Um, and we stumbled, when we just began this, we didn't really know that much. Uh, we did have some psychologists on board and we we're studying it. I remember the first trip we did, uh, one of the first trips we did, it was a, a, a family of three, father, mom, and, uh, and son. And to do expression travel, you need to understand who the clients are so you can really tailor towards them. Mm -hmm. The mother was very open to us, and so was the son. The father didn't want to talk, so we ignored him. We said, fine, we'll design it based on what we know about the son and the mother. Well, they went to Costa Rica, good trip. We always get reports, as most of us do, Nothing really bad happened, nothing serious. And uh, she came back from the trip, the mother, and she called her office and said, hey, Terry, I need to talk to you. Like, sure, let's schedule some time. Then I need to come to the office. Okay. Remember, I went to the file. And I don't see anything wrong. So she came to my office uh, two days later. I said, Can I close the door? I'm like, Sure. And I'm like, I have no idea what she's going to say. I already talked to the hotel. Nothing bad happened. And she goes, Terry, point blank, you promised me this trip was going to be family bonding. I'm like, yeah, we, we did. 
uh, was it not? She's like, well, and she's like getting kind of emotional. Well, just let me tell you, the relationship I had with my son was like none that my friends ever had. I, he, I was so close to him. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and, and she's like, well, after this trip, he, he's no longer my son. He's my best friend. <laughs> and she started crying because she felt guilty that it took somebody else to elevate her relationship to something else. And at that point, I'm like, oh, good. Because <laughs> uh, he's really didn't know. It's like, okay, that's, that's fine. Don't, don't feel guilty. This is what we do. This is our specialty is, is this. It's a use of travel to, to give you different experiences. And I'm glad this happened. And she's like, yeah, I'm happy too. But why, why does it, a stranger, I'm like, don't forget about that. This is what we're trained to do. So she's telling me that this trip was transformational. Uh, she's changed. She's not the same person. Again, this had, she hadn't traveled that much before, especially to jungles, uh, and it was transformational. And then, so now I'm happy, everything's going on, but then we hear, yes, and thanks to what you guys showed me, I realized I need to leave my husband. And we're Come like, on. <laughs> <laughs> and what happened is because he hasn't communicated with us, he had a bad hip. Uh -huh. So we're taken to the jungle where they're doing these amazing nature walks and he's not going because his hip hurts. Mm -hmm. So this lady suddenly is discovering this whole new world, the Avatar type movie, and she's discovering it with her son. Mm -hmm. So that bond is created there. She's literally falling in love in, in a good way with her son, mm -hmm. her partner uh, and the guide. And then every time he comes back home, there's the husband or to the hotel with a book. How was it, honey? So he's a downer. <laughs> So at that point is when we realized, okay, just like with Alzheimer's patients, we're dealing with something kind of serious. We need to not just say we do it, we need to really start studying it and analyzing it. And that's when we created the whole department for travel awareness psychology that was staffed by primarily psychologists. Um, and that's what gave birth, this was about eight years ago is when this, this happened. Uh, and that's what really gave birth to it. So it came from Alzheimer's, hospitals, nursing homes, to our simple application of it. It's like I use some psychology to realizing, okay, we're playing in something relatively serious. Um, now, let me just finish the story by saying she never got divorced. <laughs> so that was a good thing. <laughs> I know, really. Like, <laughs> uh, but we haven't done much of for her. We got nervous with that. Uh, but yeah, that, that, that's where it all came from. Uh, a little by chance, a little by knowledge, and then by realizing the application was a little more serious. Mm -hmm. which goes back to the point that uh, I think sometimes we don't take our careers as serious as travel professionals. And I think it's the biggest fallacy. I think the impact we can have on people, society, is beyond any other. Uh, we, especially right now, have the ability and should take the, the, the responsibility of fixing the world. I mean, we, 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 we can do this. It's, and it's not that hard. It's just caring and understanding where the clients are and using what we all know, which is travel therapy, tra ther travel therapeutic. I, right now I'm kind of depressed because I can't travel. I think a lot of us are feeling that. It's not just that we can't sell travel, it's I have to travel too. Um, so, so with that knowledge, we understand that there is a lot of power in travel and even more power in travel design. Uh, we can, it's, it's amazing what it can be done. Um, so, anyway, that, that's kind of what, where we came from. That's our passion, as you can tell. Uh, and if you don't stop me, I'll talk hours and hours about this. So, uh, I'll stop <laughs> I've <with that>. got <laughs> it. I've got it. 
Thank you for sharing your passion for traveling and compassion for people. It was a pleasure having you here and uh, uh, thank you for dedicating your time, for sharing and for caring. And thank you for taking this initiative. I think it's great what you're doing. And uh, again, the more we can work as a, as a society of travel designers, the better. So thank you for your time also. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you for staying with us, dear listeners. I would like to remind you that if you want to become one of our speakers, feel free to message us. You can easily find us in Facebook by typing Travel Agents Network in the search bar. All the links are provided in the episode description. If you want to watch a video of this conversation, we invite you to our Instagram page, Travel Agents Talk. This episode was powered by Travel Agents.